This is the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where it's all about getting the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Brought to you by Itumar Shafir, founder and CEO of Umbrella, the technology platform and brand that is powering thousands of marketing agencies around the country. Find him at UmbrellaUS.com. Now, here's your host, Kevin Pruitt. This is Kevin Pruitt, host of the Marketing Umbrella Podcast. I have a very special guest today. He's the Chief Revenue Officer at Parazon, where he leads the global sales, marketing, and business development teams to deliver AI-powered data intelligence solutions for retailers and brands. With over 24 years of experience in digital media, he has a proven track record of driving revenue, driving revenue growth, scaling businesses, and executing successful mergers and acquisitions across the marketing, ad tech, and media industries. He's also passionate about leveraging data, technology, and creativity to create value and impact for the digital ecosystem. Please join me in welcoming my special guest, Lewis Rothkopf, to the, the Marketing Umbrella podcast. Lewis, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kevin. This is exciting. So we had a really quick chat and we were both bemoaning the uh, the weather <laughs> we're experiencing right now. But, you know, it is nice to be inside. But, Lewis, I, this is a very short bio. So let's round that out a little bit for our listeners. What What is missing? What did I not mention? What is missing? So you mentioned I've been doing this for about 24 years. I started at the very, very beginning, early days of digital advertising, selling banner ads on, you know, news sites and whatnot. And what's really interesting about the last two and a half decades in digital is we've come so far as an industry in terms of technology, right? Mm -hmm. So we're able to yeah. run video ads and we're able to run, you know, send ads via SMS and email. And we're even able now to use out of home to send targeted advertising. And that's great. And we love all that. However, there have been problems that have persisted in our industry for its entire existence that we, for whatever reason as an industry, have not solved really well. There's a few of those things that are probably on your listeners' minds, things like CCPA in California, GDPR, the privacy regulation yeah. in the EU, and then similar regulations that are being they're sprouting up throughout the country and, and throughout the world. We found at, at our company, and certainly others have recognized this as well, that as the industry, in respect for those regulations and you know potentially forthcoming ones, as the industry prepares for a world without third-party cookies, and a world in which privacy regs change the way that we target advertising, the most precious asset that marketers have, particularly retailers, is their own first party data. Mm -hmm. So there is a time and a place to bring in third party data, but if you're working with third, excuse me, with first party data, there's no issue with opt-in because the, mar the marketer is, is uh, uh, collecting this data mm -hmm. at the register or in the loyalty program. And so for the first time, companies like ours are finally helping marketers cross that chasm from the last 20 years of behavioral targeting to what highly targeted, highly sophisticated marketing looks like in 2023 and, and beyond. I just realized I didn't answer your question even in the least. <laughs> I just went off on my own my own show. And so, he's running for I, office, folks. He's, that's right. Let me answer I, that by saying this. That's not at all. Not I, at all. I, I would I would just add that you gave me a much better bio uh, reading and said many more nice things about me than I would ever say about myself. So I hope not to disappoint today. No, not at all. And I and it's interesting because I I told you before we, we hit the record button that I'd listened to a couple of other episodes, the podcast episodes you've done. And and I really want to kind of drill down on 
specifics, things that are, you know, like we said, zeitgeist, you know, moments. But uh, let's talk a little bit about just Parazon to lay a foundation for the company right now. What is, what's the, what's the space? What's the, the, the ideal client profile, you know? What's the USP? You touch on those things so so we, our listeners have a little better understanding. Absolutely. So Parazon is a company that helps marketers predict which of their consumers are most likely to convert online and offline. It is a tool that brings together uh, AI algorithms to do predictive analytics on your consumers, ranging from those that are really, really good customers of yours. They come into the store every seven days and they buy a lot of stuff all the way down to those that are maybe need to be reactivated. They come to the store mm -hmm. once a year, if that, they don't spend much money when they do. Being able to tie this together with an understanding of what happened to the consumer after they saw your ad online or saw your SMS or read your email, what did they do? Did they go to the store? Did they not go to the store? Did they buy it online? If they go to the store, very often the loop is broken. And so it's hard for marketers to understand what happened offline after they saw the ad. Right. There have been some companies that have been doing solution to this in the form of geo restriction and geo targeting. And they would be able to say, look, this person saw this ad and then they went to your store. The problem with that approach is what if it's in a mall? What if it's in a yeah. shopping center? Did you know where in the yeah. mall they went to? Mm -hmm. And what did they do when they got there? Did they buy anything? Mm -hmm. And so a good first step for these geolocatable programs, being able to tie directly into the merchant's POS system and pull the transaction logs, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. That creates a completely closed loop of first party data. And it's interesting, marketers are still in many cases optimizing their media to old proxy valueless metrics like click-through rate or video yep. completion rate, yep. which are things that as I'm sure you know, have very little to no impact on your actual sales as, as a business. And so- it's certainly not using, predictive. Uh, correct, yeah. exactly. You know, somebody clicks, some, somebody clicks on an ad, like, what are they gonna do? Do they like the car? Are they gonna buy mm -hmm. the car? You, you don't mm -hmm. really know. Whereas tying together all of that with first party data gives marketers that full view of mm -hmm. their business, what's happening, and critically, what they need to do and change within their targeting in real time to achieve the best ROAS. Right, right. As you mentioned earlier about, you know, first party versus say third party data. I mean, it is so important to the journey you described is within the, the retailer's ecosystem, you know, so it, it does remain first party, you know, through their loyalty programs, through the you know opt-ins that they've already done, you know, so it's, it is You're really exactly a, correct. kind of a, a closed system almost. And I think that also, just from a layman's standpoint, I think that cuts down frustration and spam fatigue, <laughs> you know, because 100%. if somebody reaches out to me that I have already reached out to, then there's an expectation that, that I have almost given them an implied permission to do that. You call me out of the blue from some random 800 number that, and start talking to me like you and I know each other. That's a completely different different shopping experience i would love to know who that works for right like we all get yeah. these every day we get the calls we get the emails and like it's got to be working for somebody or they wouldn't do it it's got to be just mass. Me, mass it's got to be because like i don't answer Shotgun the phone approach. when i see that I, yes. who answers the phone yeah. without screening the call these yeah. days you know who who opens an email in their spam box intentionally and so it's really really interesting to to think that like 
someone's making money off of that, but I, I don't know mm -hmm. who. So let's let's talk about the the structure of how Parazon is, uh, you know, they're the package that, that is included there. So how is the how's the pricing structure developed? Is it based on you know? A return on ad spend? Is it based on, you know, a percentage of sales? What is, how do you price? Because it's, it's one thing to come to me and say, Hey, we can help you have a better prediction of your buyers, you know, potential buyers activities or behavior. But it's another thing to say that's worth this amount to you. How do you, how do you price that? So we try to keep it really straightforward. Pricing is based on the software as a service, the SaaS model. And for us, it's based upon number of transactions per month. So some yeah. of our customers might see Sense. 3 million transactions a month, which means they're pinging our server 3 million times. And then pricing is based on a fee schedule that scales upward as the number of transactions increase. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very straightforward implementation. Um, so if you think about pairs on the system in the middle, there's really two sides of connectivity that uses to, um, to do what it does. The first side is integration with the POS systems, mm -hmm. pulling in the transaction logs from our customers' cash registers, pulling in loyalty data, marrying that with the transaction logs. And so we've always got this uh, legacy and real-time view of what's happening at the cash registers um, of our clients. The other side of, of the slide is our connectivity into media buying platforms. So the way that it works is you go into our console, you create your audiences based on what we talked about a moment mm -hmm. ago. You then push those audiences directly into Google or Meta or TikTok or any other social platform or marketing automation platform. And the data that you're pushing is living, breathing audience data. So if Lewis finds yeah. himself in the, um, the really, really good customer group, uh, right? Customers that are loyal, they come to the store every seven days, and all of a sudden I drop off the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm gonna drop down pretty quickly into customers that have lapsed, customers that need a bit extra love, customers that need a promotion or a discount, and that happens in real time. You don't have to wait until the monthly push or until you get results from a survey. You're able to, in real time, administer your business with audiences that make the most sense for how you're trying to, what you're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. That's probably that second level. That's DEFCON 2 from what I, I probably had pictured in my mind about, you know, how granular, how m micro, you know, that yeah. you, it really drills down. But down you've to had, the skew uh, level. No, no doubt about skew. it. Yeah. It is. And, and individual customer. I mean, it's, it right. is, you know, their unique behavior. So that's right. is there also a macro application to this that says we can just make these decisions based on the channel that we've chosen, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, whether it's, you know, you fill in the blank of what, what media channel you want to choose. Can you say, Hey, we know because we've targeted this, this channel, we've seen this increase in, in sales or transactions. Can you, I mean, is that also part of the, of the process? It is, and that is exactly um, the sort of optimization that I think most marketers and, and agencies, if not all, do. The, the interesting part comes to be when people ask us who our competitor is, our biggest competitor is Excel, right? Like most of our customers before we work with them have 10 spreadsheets open with five analysts and they're trying to cut and paste, they're trying yeah. to like, pluck out these learnings and make them actionable. But as smart as these folks are, there's just no good way to get as much juice 
from a manual interpreter, a manual analyst, as you would from an always-on algorithm. I mean, this is why mm -hmm. AI exists, right? So you're not being disintermediated as a marketer. You're not being quieted. You're simply dedicating your time to things that are of greater value. So mm -hmm. you know, as a marketer, that I'm making this up. Facebook performs really, really well for your advertising. Great, run on Facebook but add a layer of audiences on top of it so that you're able to right. um, really calibrate your message to, to, to those users. You know, and, and you said something earlier I want to address, what's going on with consumers? So, you know, we're technologists and we're marketers, but we go home at the end of the day, we have families and, and we're consumers. And I'll bet you, you've been really, really frustrated to have been shoe shopping uh, one day. And then you go to the store and you buy the shoes, and then for months afterwards, you see the ad for that shoe everywhere you go because exactly. the loop isn't, isn't closed. Right. And so you as a consumer are stuck seeing the same ad over and over and over again. And that makes consumers angry. And it makes mm. them do things like install ad blockers. So yep. if we can do them the courtesy of not showing them ads for things they've already bought, mm -hmm. then you know they in turn are going to have a much better experience online. We, we can't ever consider can ever uh, fail to consider the consumer as part of the marketing mix. I, I have an absolute real-time example this week. I, I Two weeks Please. ago, I, bu I bought a car, you know, and I was shopping online for a specific brand, you know, model, year, range, whatever. And I still get, you know, these these pop-up ads for that specific car. Like, you know, hey, you still in the market for this? I, I'm stopped. Leave me alone. No, Don't just turn that off. I, I bought it two and, weeks ago. Leave me. Yeah. Now you're annoying me. <laughs> and, and that's not just a bad consumer experience, right? It's a waste yep. of money. Yeah. Like, why would you as a marketer keep showing this ad to somebody who already bought the product? Like, mm -hmm. it, it's crazy. And yet that's what we've been doing as an industry for a very long time and, and what folks are trying to fix. I love the the analogy is that you're our biggest competitors excel. So the, the first thing that came to my my mind was like, you know, it's like static versus dynamic. I mean, it's it yeah. is such an old school thing. And and the uh, the analogy that that popped in my head, and you can use this on a future podcast episode if you want to, but when you use that our biggest competitor excel, it's like the biggest competitor to a plumber is a DIY husband. That's right. <laughs> that's, it's like That's right. They're going to call and, and, me anyway and, because he's going to screw it up. And, and the biggest hazard to a household is a DIY husband trying to fix the plumbing. <laughs> That's so, right. Yes, very, very agreed. Uh, yeah, I love that analogy. But talk about like, I mean, you mentioned a couple of times just AI. You know, AI yeah. is, is the is the big you know computer generated elephant in the room. You know that we that we're all dealing with. But how are we in the whole marketing space? How are we? keeping ourselves from an over-reliance on AI moving forward in the future. Do you see this coming? Do you see a time coming where we're over-reliant on it? I mean, over-reliant would connote that we've gone from good net effect to bad net effect. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking about that, you know, strictly, first of all, from the marketing sense. But I think there's also this fear of like, are robots going to take our jobs away from us? Yeah. And the answer is, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think what AI is doing is it's taking a lot of the tedium away from marketers and retailers and analysts who are pouring through those Excel sheets and, and trying to pull something actionable out of it and turning to things that actually matter. And, and I'll give you an example about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we as an industry started to be able to understand behavioral data. And so we collect these whole scores of data and you'd have the analysts running into your office and say, oh my God, 
did you know that people who buy our blue socks are also aficionados of chocolate fudge brownie mix? And it's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool to know. And then you're like, well, well, what does that do for you? And it's like, I don't know, nothing. But those are the sort of things that would come out of you know manual reading of these of these um, campaigns and, and these mm -hmm. data signals. If you really want to make that actionable and and get away from that, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Yeah. Then it really does take the power of machine learning to go through all three million transactions, ten million transactions a month. I mean, it's it's really unlimited in, in what the scale of it can be, and you get better outcomes. So. Again, to actually answer the question you asked, my apologies, <laughs> I don't think we ever have backlash from a marketing standpoint against mm -hmm. AI. I think it is not hard to imagine a world in which there's political backlash, you know, maybe yeah. even you know, forms of, of religious backlash. But in terms of marketing, it just does so much better mm -hmm. than trying to calculate it with you know, a pencil and an eraser yourself. Yeah. I, I think the one question or one thought I had in my mind was when you, you know, you talked about, or we were talking earlier about these like spam calls. You said, has, does mm -hmm. this ever work? Well, obviously it worked initially in some capacity. Now it's in the abuse stage, you know? So yeah. it's like the back end of that. And that's, that's, I guess that's kind of what I was thinking in terms of like, is there a good way and a bad way to utilize AI and marketing? Is there a, is it going to be so ubiquitous that, that, you know, people are just going to be really bad at it because they're just lazy, you know, or they're yeah. just whatever. I mean, like content generation, that's a perfect example. I think you can, you can now read an article online and you can almost tell, was this written in, by AI or was this written by a human being? Because it's, we're just not quite there yet, you know, especially if we're native speakers, you know, of, of yeah. that particular language, we can kind of tell this is, it's a little quirky, you know, the, the way it was written. So I'm just curious yeah, exactly. your experience there. Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm trying to think of, of an example that I, I, I love. I will not take credit for, for this joke. I'll, I'll credit to a comedian whose name I can't remember. But, you know, from a, a marketing and consumer standpoint, you've got to make sure that you're speaking with the consumer's best interest um, mm -hmm. in mind, both in terms of, as you just said, your copy, your art, the creative, creative still really matters. Mm -hmm. But to connect that marketing science to humanity, because our customers are indeed humans. Yeah. It takes a person. It takes persons. It takes individuals who are, again, freed from the tedium that has been historically associated with online marketing and can focus on the things that matter, like is the creative working? Are our media choices correct? Is our media mix correct? Right? Things like that. And and you know, back to the span question, you know, it, I agree with you. Somebody at some point said yes to this, but it, it reminds me of that old joke when a man goes into the bathroom. And on the urinal, there's a little thing that says, don't do drugs. And it's kind of like, is that what's going to push you over the edge? Like all, all the advertising, all of the public, all your school, all your education, that did not work. But seeing it on a, on a urinal in a bar is going to make you, right? And I think it's the same thing as when you see these spam messages. It's like, you're not going to sit there and read that. Mm -hmm. but someone is. Like it's, yeah. it's working for someone or they wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> Yeah, that that is a great, great. Sorry to go to a you. bathroom analogy That's right. so it's early right. on. We, we have now degraded this podcast to the lowest yes. common denominator. Yes. So it's, my apologies. Is there anything left? Yeah, no. That is. I. I mean, it's a it's a very salient example. I think that yeah. you, you know you bring up. Talk about anything else that you're seeing right now that is just like cutting edge things we're going to be dealing with you know in the very near future that is that is really germane to kind of the marketing space. 
and, and maybe I, really tie that to marketing, like marketing agency owners. Like, what does it look like for them? I'm really in love with digital out of home. It is probably in my mind, the most exciting new medium, perhaps even more so than connected television and, and, and over the top video, because you're finally able to get to a place where you are forced as a marketer to look at other success metrics than clicks and views, mm -hmm. because you can't, right? You can't click a billboard and, and, and you can't see how many people are, are, are watching it with their eyes. And so it, forces marketers to look at the success of those campaigns through brand metrics, right? What was the impact to our brand? What was the impact to purchases, right? And I think we've, we've, we've committed this great sin against ourselves in the late 1990s where we've said, oh, clicks equals success, more clicks, mm -hmm. more success. No. And it just is not even remotely true. And yet marketers and agencies have held onto that with mm -hmm. like a, a death grip. And so when you get to a place where you can't take that immediate action, but you are being marketed to, and it is having an influence on you, well, now you're forced to look at what actually worked, right? So did they go to the store? Did they buy some, right? So you, you get the idea there. I think that is very cutting edge. And we've, we've only begun to scrape the, the, the tip of the iceberg on, on what digital out of home is all about and, and, and it can do. And I think, you know, bring it all together. We're also seeing marketers have to get smarter about their email marketing. You know, there's there's mm. sort of the spam stuff that we talked yeah. about, but there's also um, stuff that, that is not spam and that the consumer has opted into and is relevant to them. But are you are you writing them the right way or mm -hmm. are, are you using the right words? You speak in the right language, both literally and figuratively. These are all things that marketers can focus on when they are not, you know, sort of obsessively focused on click through rate, video completion rate and, and things that just don't matter. Yeah, I have a, a specific example of what you just mentioned about, you know, speaking to your audience and a lot of a lot of brands have created podcasts, you know, that are somehow right. connected to their brand, but they're not a 30, you know, 30 minute ad spot for the brand. I mean, it may be almost completely unrelated to the product itself, but it, it is speaking right. to their customer. It is, you know, it's it's a it's at a heart level, you know, it's like reaching them and and providing good content for them. And but it is connecting them to the brand. It is hopefully increasing retention and and that type of thing. But I love the way that you are so consumer centric, you know, the way that you you talk. It's not it's, it seems like sometimes in marketing, like we're driven by result and not necessarily, it doesn't matter who the customer is. It doesn't matter really what their behavior is. We're just trying to kind of like, you know, sneak up on them and make them buy something, you know, type things. But you really do sense that you've got to really understand who you're speaking to, you know, to, to really pull this off. Is that, is that a fair depiction? It's completely fair, and, and sort of the the high minded um, view of that is again we're all consumers. We go home. We don't want to waste people's time. We don't want to make consumers have a bad experience. At the same time, though, consumers have an opportunity to turn off your ads. They can turn yeah. off your ads. They can turn off your store. They can delete your bookmark from their website. They mm -hmm. can go on to like Lewis's store sucks dot com and, and say really <laughs> bad things about it. And you could survive as a marketer and ad agency change. You could survive a, a technology partner change. You can't survive your computer, your, your consumers going away. And so if you're not focusing on them as individuals and people who don't like seeing the same ad over and over and over again, or people who don't like getting spam, you're, you're missing out. And, and mm -hmm. you're going to sort of seed that ground, that competitive ground to some of the newer companies, the direct to consumer companies in particular, 
who are finding their voice and speaking to consumers using technology, yep. using AI, but not losing that that essence of humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that, I, that is exactly right. And that I think they would be the ones that are going to rise. That's that, that's the cream rising to the top at in at the end of the day for sure. I hope so. I think so. As before we jump into kind of the, our last segment, which is our rapid fire questions, is there anything that that you think, you know, is there how do we wrap this this chat up with a neat little bow on it? You know, is there something that that I haven't asked you about that you think is, is would be really helpful to those kind of in the marketing space? Yeah, I mean, my my advice to, to your listeners, to your viewers is um, you got to close the loop. You gotta, if you're continuing to try to run advertising with one hand tied behind your back and, and one eye closed, it's just not gonna work. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're yeah. not gonna have a good outcome or, or as good an outcome as you would if you were closing that loop from buy, media buy to sale to back to becoming a prospective customer again. Yeah. It's what it's all about. I, I, there's probably nothing revelatory in what I just said, but it's, it's, it's the truth. I mean, we've been asking as an industry for ways to do this stuff in a consumer-centric, privacy-centric way and now companies like ours are, are delivering that. And by the way, you don't have to work with us. There are other ways that you can close the loop. I think ours is the best, but as, as long as you're sort of making a connection between your, your um, company's sales and the marketing that you're doing, and the two have just been so divorced for so long, mm -hmm. then you're on the right track. Uh, yeah, you don't have to work with them. You can continue to use your outdated Excel spreadsheets if you choose. To. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we can yeah. Certainly, yeah, they'll certainly help. But all right, let's shift into the rapid fire. So just, hey, really quick, first thing that comes to your mind, not long answers, very short, you know, concise, but these are going to seem very disparate. But, you know, hey, just just bear with us and go with us. we got a method behind our madness here. But <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Number one, did you get along with your parents growing up? I think so. I think so. You know, they're they're both gone now. May they rest in peace. But I, I, I think so. I think much of that came from a realization that they were smart people. And I think, you know, smarter than me, for sure, smarter than my children, or, or my children are smarter than me, my wife is smarter than me. And that kind of gives me the ability to say, aha, like, you, you actually know your stuff, you know what you're talking about. I think with my parents, it was it was that sort of love of knowledge and, and sort of um, love of transferring knowledge mm. that I think, uh, I think that's we, we got along pretty well. Actually, I think we need to ask that question. <laughs> Name a time when you did and maybe a time you didn't, you know, get along with you because it, it's like different stages of life. I think you hit that. But absolutely. Do yeah. you have siblings? I do have a sibling. Uh, he is in a completely different uh, industry from me. He is an accountant. Um, he is behind the he camera. He loves Excel uh, spreadsheets. That's he right. loves Excel. He loves the IRS. He, he <laughs> loves all the states. Uh, no, he very, very different personality, different career. Um, but I think that's the way it is with brothers sometimes. Uh, for sure. Do you have a pet? We have a pet. We have a pet. His name is Angus. He's a dog. He's a big smelly, ill-behaved dog who would fight to the death to protect us. And so oh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's young still. So he's got that, that spark in him, but oh boy, when they vacuum in the hallways, look out, he just, he gets very- Half of Angus comes up in the Hoover. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, right. Do you have kids? Two kids. We have a 12 year old girl and an eight year old girl, uh, in third grade and seventh grade. Um, both amazing. All right. Uh, what time do you normally go to bed in the morning or go to bed at night? Sorry. <laughs> what do you mean? Go to bed uh, in the morning. Yeah. How about cold night? So we try to be in bed by 11. Typically, I'll fall asleep on the couch watching 
a great streaming show, you know, three minutes into it. So I, I have yeah. to add that to it. And then in the morning we get up at about 6.30. Sometimes we'll push that to 6.45 because we've got I mean, school drop off and food yep. and lunch yep. and, you know, all of those things. Do you work remotely or in an office? Sort of. So I'm, I'm working from home today, but I, I have a formerly WeWork office. WeWork, of course, uh, yeah. has uh, declared bankruptcy. And so a different company has taken over the, the space. But I enjoyed working from home during the pandemic for about a week. Mm -hmm. And after a year and a half of it, uh, we said, this our place is tiny. We're in New York City. It's 700 square feet. How are we going to, you know, two of us working from home and two yep. kids doing school from home. And so I got this WeWork in the neighborhood and it, it was just such a game changer for yep. me. And, and I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some connection you'd keep going, you know, with that. But ideal vacation spot, money, not an object. Newport Beach, California, specifically Crystal Cove State Park. We're going there, we've gone there um, for the last several years. It's kind of a Christmas tradition for the family. And we're going the week after next and we're praying for good weather and, and uh, for no delays at the airports. Yeah. But that is our favorite. Yeah. So in that area, the Long Beach area, there is mm. a, there's a massive uh, US Navy battleship called mm. the USS Iowa. My father was on that ship when he was in Korea. Oh, cool. So if you, as you're driving by, you can think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, We'll keep an eye on And then we say we knew you when. Exactly, exactly. Intersection of faith and work. Mm, faith and work. I probably do not do this as well as I should. I think I'm good at expressing gratitude to people that work mm. for me and, and work with me. I think I have a long way to come in expressing gratitude to myself and sort of acknowledging that I'm not an imposter. I do this and, and you know, there's there is the, the forces out there that make the world go around and I am but a, a little small part of it. And so I think you don't want to overstate your importance in the grand scheme of things, but you don't want to understate it either. That's a good balance. A good balance. Closing question. You were king for a day. What is one thing that you would like to see changed in the just the marketing space or marketing climate? Stop measuring using old metrics. You're measuring nothing. You're measuring things that make you feel good and maybe make you look good to your boss. But those are not things that are going to have an impact on your company's bottom line. Love it. Love it. And, and we, I mean, it's, if, if nothing else, I mean, that closing thought we have been talking about for the last 30 minutes. I mean, everything yeah. that virtually you mentioned is kind of in that stream. So, and thank Lewis, thank you so much for just taking time today and just sharing with us. It's been a pleasure to to meet you virtually online and just to hear your story. And, and I'm, I'm just very appreciative of everything that you shared that, because I think it will be so helpful for our audience. And it is so current and and i don't want to overuse the term but it really is the zeitgeist that that your know, marketers are dealing with today and will be in the near future so thank you again for just sharing your expertise where's the best place to to connect with you online connect with pairs, pairs on yeah so pairs on really easy p-a-i-r-z-o-n.com uh, and if for some reason you want to talk to me i am at lewis nyc on twitter great or x it's called there you go. Well, thanks again. We're approaching the holidays. So happy holidays. And I appreciate you uh, coming on the show and really just sharing your expertise and helping marketing agencies grow and scale their business. Lewis, thanks again. Have a great weekend. A pleasure. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for tuning in to another great episode of the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where we provide the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. 
to learn more, go to UmbrellaUS.com.